Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Joe Porter. In the programme this week, it's semi-final time at the Rugby World Cup with two mouth-watering clashes between France and Wales and New Zealand and Australia. The injury hit All Blacks are set to battle the Wallabies for a place in the final and we catch up with the All Blacks coach Graham Henry as he prepares for the biggest match of his career. We also put the hard questions to the Wallabies' first five, Quade Cooper, ahead of Sunday night's showdown at Eden Park. We talked to the newly appointed New Zealand netball coach Waiato Manu after she was thrust into the role a little earlier than expected. We speak to the New Zealand cricket CEO Justin Vaughan about the ambitious plan to take 2020 cricket to the United States and we gauge the mood of the New Zealand rugby league camp with Kiwi centre Lewis Brown ahead of the defence of their Four Nations title. The Rugby World Cup's second semi-final involves the sides many had expected to meet in the final if Australia had matched the All Blacks' unbeaten run through pool play. The Wallabies' loss to Ireland changed that and they had to beat South Africa to reach the last four in Auckland where it's been 25 years since they last beat the All Blacks. But it's only eight years since the second of their semi-final wins over the All Blacks and that, plus the 24 years New Zealanders have been waiting for a second cup win, makes Sunday night's match at Eden Park one of the All Blacks' biggest ever. Dan Carter's tournament-ending injury, then Colin Slade's, means they're having to start Aaron Cruden at first five outside Pity Wepu, with the previously unwanted Stephen Donald on the bench. The last time Cruden lined up against the Wallabies, he started nervously outside Wepu, and Slade replaced him as the All Blacks came from 20 points behind to win 23-22 in Sydney. Head coach Graham Henry bristles at the suggestion Cruden and Wepu didn't get the job done in Sydney, and says Cruden's come a long way since then. He's a year older, or is it 15 months, and a lot more experienced, and I think that's important. And I think you learn from those experiences, you know, it's, um, I think that was probably his first test match, or very close to it, first big test match anyway. And he's 15 months older and, and learned from that experience, which I think is very important. Very seldom that people are the finished product in their first outing and um, you get better with age, and he'll get better with age. He'll be a very good footballer uh, as time goes on. He's a very good footballer now. Uh, Puri in that game, I think, kicked a lot of penalties and kicked a lot of you know, conversions and played particularly well. And we finished up winning the game, didn't we? So perhaps they did get the job done. And Henry says Cruden's handled his sudden elevation to the starting number 10 pretty well. Yeah, I think it's a wee bit different from last week. He's the man this week. Last week um, he was he was a sub, so it's a big change for him. Uh, but he's you know he's a he's a bright rugby player. He knows the game well. Uh, he's captain a lot of teams that he's been in, so he directs the traffic well. Uh, but it's it's a big game, isn't it? Like it's the biggest game that he's ever played in, and it's the biggest game a lot of them played in, quite frankly. So. It's, I'm sure it's challenging, but he seems to be handling it well.
the All Blacks coach Graham Henry. Meanwhile, as Wales wind up preparations for the first semi-final against France, their coach Warren Gatland has dismissed grumblings about the All Blacks using players from outside their squad as training opponents. The absence of skipper Richie McCaw from contact training all week and the presence of Canterbury flanker Matt Todd prompted reports that other team officials have raised concerns that the All Blacks are taking unfair advantage of being host nation. But Gatland's not among them. We're bringing in six players to train against us today. Sometimes when you're carrying injuries, it's good to bring in some fresh faces. I don't have an issue with Matt training at all with with the All Blacks. It has to be some sort of perks for playing the World Cup in your own country. So, you know, it's it's not an issue. I think they've been fairly open about that and uh, hasn't tried to be secretive. I think if Richie does break down, then they're just covering their bases. The Wales coach, Warren Gatland. The Wallabies star Quade Cooper is due a big game after several shockers, including last week's close quarter-final win over the Springboks. The Torquador-born first five has been the centre of attention every time he's fronted the media. He must be sick of being asked how it feels to be public enemy number one following his ongoing niggle with New Zealand skipper Richie McCaw. He was again the focus when he appeared midweek at the team hotel, but fielded the endless questions with equanimity, including a number about his move to Australia as a teenager and deciding to stay on and push for the Wallabies rather than the All Blacks. The first question Cooper was asked was whether he can hear the crowd booing him every time he's got the ball and whether it's a distraction given his poor form. Yeah, well, you have to. It's, um, there's always a, a packed stadium and you can, you can hear noises in the crowd and um, obviously I, I know they're directed at me from what everything's um, been written, but it's, it's not a distraction. It's, it's just part and parcel of um, the game and we're obviously the... Um, you know, the closest enemy to, to the New Zealanders, so uh, we're going to cop it uh, a lot more than any other team. Should they just get over it and get on with their lives and not worry about it and leave you alone? Oh, they can do whatever they want. I'm not going to try and control anybody else's life. I'm just going to you know, do what I can to you know, be the best I can be for, for this team. Is it affecting your play? No, I don't feel that it is. Um, you know, it's been a, a tough competition and we've been up against very good opposition um, throughout the uh, the World Cup, and you know, this week's no different. We're up against you know, number one team in the world, and and the guys who are supposed to win this World Cup. So you know, it's going to be a tough game. But I'm sure that they've got a lot more things to worry about than, than myself. You know, they uh, they're supposed to win uh, won this World Cup for the the past three tournaments, and um, this is no different. Uh, a lot of pressure is on them to to win this competition uh, on their home soil. So I'm sure that they'll be worrying about. And how they go about their game, then, and more so than myself. Excuse me, David Campese. You said the one bit of advice for you: be more of a team player. Coming, coming from a guy like that, um, <laughs> I, I tend to take the advice from from my teammates and my coaches that, that I have around me, than other than outside influences. So, cheers for the advice, Campo. But um, I've got got a lot, a lot of guys around me here that are supporting. And will the All Blacks bring it? Will the All Blacks again bring out the best in you? Well, I hope so. You know, I think I, I hope that they bring the best out of you know, our whole team. It's going to be a, a very tough game, but you know, a lot is on on the line. And um, you know, I think the game on the weekend against South Africa showed um, that the boys are all up to it. You know, it wasn't the the brightest performance, but you know, in in great great teams, great great athletes, you know, um, it just shows the character of a team to to push through, not play your best game, but still come away with the points. I'd much rather walk off the field as a winning team than walk off. Uh, having the, the greatest game of my career and we lose the game. The field goal's coming into the equation, it gets it really tight. I mean, the All Blacks haven't kicked a field goal 
1903 to win any test while behind, and two World Cups have been won by Phil Jones. Does that come into the equation? Well, it, it definitely comes into the equation. Um, showed on the weekend how important um, you know, penalty goals and drop goals are. Uh, Mornay got that, pen, uh, that drop goal at, at a very crucial time in the game and you know, got them the lead and then we were lucky enough to get a penalty and, and James um, kicked, that, kicked that over for us to get back in the lead and there was a very um, a narrow miss from um, Patrick Lambie that would have been um, you know, a massive blow for us so drop goals are, are going to be important but let's hope it doesn't come down to that. Have you had any messages of support by your old friends? Have you had any messages of support from your old friends in Tokorella? Yeah, well, it's probably a good opportunity to, to thank everyone in New Zealand as well for, for the support that I've got, you know, from um, our people from my hometown, uh, friends and family in, in Tukuroa, and also um, you know, family and friends up in Kaikoura where my nana's from. She um, sends me a, a lot of text messages that you know, all, all her friends from the local bowls club are, are right behind me, so that gives you a, a, a very heartwarming um, boost of confidence. Wait, uh, how close... Did you actually ever become uh, to playing for New Zealand? Because there was obviously a period where you know you had a difficult decision to make. Uh, you reflect on that and explain what happened. Yeah, there was a, a time in my career where I had to decide whether I wanted to come back and, and play. Um, on this side of the Tasman or, or stay in Australia and um, play there, but I don't think it was close to playing for the All Blacks. I think I was you know, 18 at the at the stage, so it was just a matter of where I wanted to play my rugby, and uh, I'd, I'd been living in Australia for you know, such a long, long period of time. My whole family had moved over, so and I was enjoying the lifestyle. It was a, a, a very tough decision to want to move away from your family again, and um, you know, when you're just settled in and you know, starting to um, make a career with the Queens and Reds. So uh, I decided that you know, that was the best fit for me, and um, you know, and moving forward, living in Australia. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but maybe the first or second. I'm, I'm not too sure. It was um, it's whenever my, my contract was up for negotiation, and I'm not exactly sure when that was. A couple of years ago, obviously, my my mum, my dad, and. You know, my, my two younger brothers, two younger sisters, and my older sister it was um, my, my direct family that had moved over from New Zealand as well. Uh, when I first moved over as a 13-year-old kid, uh, I got a bit homesick being away from my family. And having such a big family, you're, you're used to having them around you all the time. So you know, for them to make the trip over to Australia as well, I found it a, a pretty stupid um, move on my behalf if I was to move back to New Zealand away from my family again, which I, I found when I did move to Australia, I was very homesick from my family. So once they moved over, uh, the, the decision was pretty much made then and there. The Wallabies' first five, Quade Cooper. The former Silver Ferns captain, Waiato Manu, has been appointed as the new coach of the New Zealand netball side. She will take up the role immediately with incumbent Ruth Aitken stepping down early due to family reasons. Aitken was due to end her tenure after the three-test series against Australia later this month. Tomanu has been Aitken's assistant for the past three years and has signed a four-year contract taking her through to the 2015 World Champs in Sydney. Tomanu told Stephen Hewson she's honoured to have been appointed to the role, although she was surprised to have to take over for the Australian series. It was a bit of a shock. I'd, I'd literally just finished watching, from a spectator point of view, the 
England Australia series, and I sat back down again and watched it from a more intense perspective. <laughs> what does this actually mean, or how will it change uh, your approach to things? Um, I think, well, it just means that I'm, I'm rushing a little more than I um, normally would, um, but things were well in place. It's um, very organised, so it's a matter of catching up on the detail. There are a couple of um, youngsters in this group whom I haven't had a great deal to do with, so I'll be interested to catch up with them, and I'm quite excited about them, really. I suppose the fact you've been around on the scene there for, for three years, the, the whole structure and everything, will, will, will you change things much or will you keep them the same? Well, in the, in the short term, I'm, I'm really trying to make sure that um, I know exactly what is in place and what's planned. I think I am fortunate, having been around the programme for a long time, I kind of know what to expect. Um, and I, I'd like to think that Ruth and I got quite a few things right. So longer term, I certainly will sit down and, and look at a longer term programme. But um, I think it's likely to be tinkering rather than um, a major overhaul. And I like to think that I've learned a great deal from Ruth in, in those respects. So looking forward to the pinnacle events in the long term and really looking hard at ways to ensure that um, we turn a one goal loss into, um, into wins in those um, outer years. So will the players notice much a difference, do you think? They may. Ruth and I have fairly different styles. <laughs> In what sense? Um, I, I'm more direct um, and probably more directive. Um, Ruth is a, a quieter, um, probably um, happier presence. Um, so, but they, most of the people in that group know me pretty well, so um, there'll be that to change, I think. Is that going to have a few of them quaking in their boots? I don't think so. I think they're, they're well enough used to me now um, for that not to be the case. Um, and I think if you do talk to people like Coach, whilst my reputation is reasonably fierce, and I'm actually people who come in direct contact with me don't find it quite as bad as others looking in and think it might be. <laughs> Was it a job you always wanted? No, probably not always, but certainly it, the, the desire has grown in recent times, particularly working with Ruth. So when you were captain of the Silver Ferns and finished your international career, you didn't or necessarily see yourself being coach of the Silver Ferns at some point? No, no, I certainly didn't. But I, I'm not sure that at you know, 28 it's the kind of thing that you do <laughs> run around seeing yourself as doing because it was some years down the track now. Um, so no, it wasn't something I thought about. And, and I think you have to remember that I have been around long enough to have been coached by people like Lois and Lynn. And at the time that I retired, their expertise and knowledge seemed um, so far away from where I was at that I, it certainly wasn't something I thought of immediately. What do you think Ruth has taught you over the three years you've been working with her? Um, oh, a great deal, really. A particularly a lot around team building, around um, working with a variety of people, um, and, and also she's a very creative woman and, and she looks at um, problems quite differently to me and I think that we were a good unit, um, complemented each other well in that sense. The England series, what did you make of that? Two, two wins, satisfied? Um, yes, I, to be honest, I was hoping and originally thought that England would present a, a greater um, challenge. I was pretty disappointed in them really. Um, having said that, I thought we did some things particularly well and were able to get the entire squad on the court. A um, little bit of inconsistency, but I was pleased to see that Australia are suffering from that too. So I think you know both teams are in um, reasonably similar uh, places in that sense. In the wash-up of Singapore, there was a, a, a danger there could have been some spillover from that? Yes, 
yes, I'm sure there, there could have been. Um, so I was really pleased to see um, the application and um, enthusiasm of the players on board. Um, I thought Irene was, was playing as well as she's ever played, actually. <laughs> so that was great to see. What do you think the, the major challenges are for the side over the next four years? Well, I, I think we've got... Um, some depth issues. I think we really do need to be looking hard at the mid-court now that Tamif Hutt is gone, that she's left a big hole. Um, so over the next four years, really developing some depth and variety in the mid-court. I think we're fortunate that we've got um, a crop of very good defenders and some um, real talent coming through in that end as well. Um, so it's a matter of managing that end um, and in the front end, with the introduction of Catherine, I think we've got some very accurate shooters, but I think there's some work to be done between developing a new midcourt and the links into the circle. So off the top of my head, and given I haven't had a lot of time to think about it, that would be my short answer. What are you looking forward to the most about it? I think the thing that I really wanted to do, um, and, and the reason that I put the application forward, was because I love coaching, and I think as a netball coach, when you get the opportunity to coach players with disability, it's something to be treasured, um, and I just really enjoy coaching this group. I can turn up with some ideas that I've kind of thought of or had on paper, and these players are so talented they can they can take them, make them a reality, and then grow them. So that kind of um, ability to coach at that level doesn't come along every day. Waito Manu. New Zealand Cricket's unveiled an ambitious plan to launch a 2020 competition in the United States and sell franchise teams for the event. It's arisen from a partnership deal signed by New Zealand Cricket and the United States Cricket Association two years ago. The chief executive of New Zealand Cricket, Justin Vaughan, told Stephen Hewson the competition would be modelled on the Major League Soccer competition. We can get something um, preliminary in place within the next 18 months. Um, but I don't think a, a sort of fully-fledged tournament structure will be able to uh, be in place probably for at least two or three years. But, but really, that isn't very long in terms of getting planning going. There's a lot of work that needs to be done around facility development in the United States as well. There's really only one internationally accredited venue uh, in the USA. So uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done before we can start talking about meaningful cricket competition. So would you see it being regionally based initially? Um, I think that still needs to be determined. I think in the initial stages you would probably look to utilise the facilities that they have and so you might not take much around the country but base most of your games either in uh, Fort Lauderdale in Florida where there is the internationally accredited venue or perhaps look to develop one further perhaps up in the northeast of the United States uh, where there's the, the largest proportion of I guess the migrant communities who already know and love cricket are based up in that northeastern part of the United States So how many franchises would you anticipate? Um, I, again the work needs to be done around that you would probably start with perhaps four uh, and perhaps building up to eight over time uh, but again, there's a lot of work that needs to be done before we can start talking about the development of franchise teams. I think there's a whole lot of foundation work that the new CEO will need to come in and, uh, and, and really build that framework before, before the franchise stage can be developed. So the 18 months that you were talking about, you wouldn't necessarily have those franchises in place by the time you got the competition underway? Well you, well, you may do, I mean, but I mean, it would take, probably take 12 months from now to even start to contemplate that, but 
if you could perhaps have four franchises up in place within two years, I think that would be a really good achievement. And how much would you be selling these franchises off for? It would be in the region of under 10 million US, but I would still think it would be a, a seven-figure amount. It seems very much pie in the sky. It's not pie in the sky in that the United States is known to have the second largest fan base for cricket in the world if you actually look at cricket consumed over the internet. There is a huge proportion of of individuals within the United States that follow global cricket. Um, People probably said it was pie in the sky when they set up Major League Soccer in the United States a couple of decades ago, but there is enough evidence to suggest that cricket's already got a foothold within the United States, perhaps not in the structured and organised fashion that countries like New Zealand or England or or Australia have. Uh, But there is that latent interest and a real desire from a number of people to bring cricket on a proper scale to the USA. So it will take some years. New Zealand cricket is not at risk in this um, initiative. But if it grows in the way that we believe it will grow, then then we'll, you know, New Zealand cricket will, will benefit significantly. So do you have a 50% share in this joint venture that you've set up with the United States Cricket Association? I, I mean, presumably New Zealand yeah. cricket is looking to make money out of this. Yeah, I mean, we will have financial benefits, but there will also be benefits in terms of if there are competitions set up, opportunities for New Zealand players, opportunity for support staff, uh, lots of opportunities for New Zealand cricket to grow beyond the finances. But yeah, there is a financial return as well uh, that the partnership between us and USA Cricket would would benefit from if, if this comes off. So what, you, you would be taking a cut from what, any broadcast revenue or any franchise fees that you obtain? Yeah, we would be an owner of the central competition. A, a portion of revenues will go out to the franchises and then a portion is held by the central organisation. You take out central organisational costs that are required to run and manage the tournament uh, and out of that there'll be distributions made out to owners. Presumably you've done some sort of financial budget or that, that you could see New Zealand cricket earning from this over, over, I don't know, five years' time. I mean, what would you anticipate? Yep. Well, I mean, again, it will all depend on the appetite for franchise owners and how quickly broadcasters can really uh, get an appetite for, for televising this within the United States. Uh, the benefit to New Zealand cricket is that we are not putting money into this venture that that is coming from external investment. So we are there, um, I guess, providing our cricketing intellectual property and our experience in terms of managing and running cricket, uh, and other people are putting the money in. So if there is a profit, New Zealand cricket will be able to benefit, but we're actually not at risk in terms of the game, and New Zealand is not putting any money in to try and support this venture. I'm just wondering how much you think you can make from it. I'd like to think that within five to ten years there was an annuity stream coming back to New Zealand cricket. Beyond the direct cash return, it's more about New Zealand cricket having assets. I think as world cricket matures and evolves, uh, I think it's going to be important for cricket boards to actually own something. And we, through the USA venture, will be able to own some competitions in a market that looks like it's going to grow significantly. 
Justin Vaughan. The New Zealand Rugby League team face Australia in a one-off test in Newcastle on Sunday night before both teams fly to England for the Four Nations tournament. The World Cup winning Kiwis are the current Four Nations champions and will be seeking to defend their title against the Kangaroos, England and Wales. However, the side has been decimated by injuries and other withdrawals with 12 top-line players originally named in the squad now unavailable. There are now eight uncapped players in the team with five to make their Kiwis debut against the Kangaroos on Sunday. At 25 years old and with just one cap to his name, Lewis Brown could hardly be considered a veteran, but the Warriors' centre is now one of the senior players in the group and he spoke to Stephen Hewson about the honour of playing for New Zealand and the Kiwis' chances in the UK. It's been a long season that but you know what, what way to finish it off without with pulling the, um, the black dumper on and you know, I've only ever pulled it on once and uh, you know, that moment will always you know be you know, I'll cherish for the rest of my life and you know, to get the opportunity to pull on the second time uh, you know it's going to be pretty exciting for me and uh, I'm looking forward to it. How's the, the build-up been? I mean, have you had to adjust or, or, or learn many new things? Oh, no, no, I've been, um, you know, I was in the Four Nations squad last year, which I didn't play in, but, you know, being, being in that, involved in the Anzac test and I you know, sort of sort of know how the camp sort of works now and, uh, you know, it, it's good to get in here and uh, sort of, you know, it, it's like a good brotherhood and uh, just sort of um, get away from other things and, uh, you know, you, you, you know, when you're not training here, it's a good time to relax. And uh, you know, we are, we're a serious bunch of blokes when it comes to footy, but off the field, uh, you know, we get on very well. So it's good to be a part, you know, be a part of, and uh, yeah, it's good to good to have some of my you know, fellow teammates from the Warriors, you know, making their debuts this weekend as well. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to playing along, alongside them. Yeah, there's a few of you that um, sort of uh, reasonably raw, I suppose, on, on the test scene, just outside you, that your, your wingers, centres, uh, Beal, and then you've got Kevin Locker at fullback. How how have you approached that, or what have you talked about this week with that? Oh no, nothing much. You know, I think you know, you know, it just it speaks wonders about you know the the guys that are making their debuts about you know the form they've been in this year. You know, uh, you know, there's been a few injuries in that, but you know, to their credit, they've uh, you know they've played some good footy in that. You know, Kevin Locke, I thought you know he's been one of the best for our Warriors side this year, and uh, he offers a lot. And uh, far far lower outside me this weekend, he's. Uh, you know, he, he's, when we played the Cowboys a couple of times, he caused havoc for us. So, you know, you know to have players like that and also Rusty Packer up front uh, and, you know, Alex Glenn and that, you know, that speaks wonders of the youth in New Zealand Rugby League and, uh, you know, they, they thoroughly deserve their spots. I suppose, too, the fact you've played, what, 50 or 60 so first-grade games, is um, you're not, not too um, sort of uh, short on experience, are you? No, not not really, but, um, you know, I still, I still call myself uh, a youngster and... Uh, um, and the, you know, the, the, one of the uh, and the younger younger side of the Kiwi side, but um, I suppose when it when it um, you know, when it comes to you know tests this weekend, is you know, I think there's five boys making their debuts, and uh, you know I've only played one test myself, so uh, and just to get like I said before, I get the opportunity to put on the black jumper again before we go away to the UK, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Does it feel as though it's been a, a long season? Um, yeah, it has been a long season, but. You know, um, you know, to, to play in the grand final was you know a great experience. You know, it was a nice feeling to to lose it. So for me, like uh, you know, in the season on a loss wasn't a nice thing. But you know, to get you know a couple of weeks later to get to represent my country and put on the black jumper against you know a you know, very quality opposition and in, in, in the Australians is uh, you know, another another dream come true. Any talk about sort of trying to make up for that loss, the Anzac Test loss, or has it simply been looking forward and looking forward to the the Four Nations this this Test? 
you know, we, we, we always head into games where, you know, we want to win them all and that. And, um, you know, but like, you know, we've we'll, we'll got a long, you know, a couple, couple of weeks ahead of us. And uh, it's, I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, the, you know, just uh, you know, a few boys haven't played since uh, the end of the season. So that was nearly over a month ago. And, you know, just blasting the cobwebs out and, you know, just setting the platform and uh, setting a benchmark for, you know, heading over to the UK and that. But, you know, by all means, we, you know, we're taking this test very seriously. And, uh, you know, we want to get one back from what happened in uh, the Gold Coast. How do you approach the Australians? What are you going to need to do to to succeed on Sunday? I think you know it was said yesterday in one of our meetings that every time that, you know the Kiwis have gone good against the um, the uh, you know the Aussie side, it's been that you know we've um, you know we've played field position, which means you know we hold the ball and uh, you know we play territory. You know, got to make sure we get to our tackle six options are good and you know kick chase and you know, just you know playing them down there. And, and uh, if we can do that. Uh, you know, which I thought we did, you know, some some time, in, you know, in, in the Anzac Test, and I think we you know we're a, we're, a, we're a real good shot. You know, I think you know, the, the tries that they scored in the Anzac Test come on the back, the back of our mistakes, and if we can limit our mistakes, you know, it limits the opportunities to score tries and attack our line. I suppose for for the younger guys, especially too, you've you've grown up with the Kiwis having success against the Kangaroos, so there's maybe not that that that, that fear factor or, or or the awe factor that that may have been there, sort of. 30 years ago. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, you you, <clears throat> you like to test yourself against the best and, you know, Australia, you know, definitely, uh, we, we think the best, the best side in the, in the world, you know, they've, they've, they've sent the bench, the benchmarks since the Anzac test and, you know, but been saying that we've got some young kids coming into our squad and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're not scared at all. They've got the X factor and, uh, I'm sure, we, I'm sure they'll be showcasing their skills on Sunday. Now, Lewis, what, um, what, what team duties have you been given? Have you, um, I mean, being being having to play just the one test, do you have to do anything in particular for the on team duty, or you? Nah, mate, I've I've done all my. Uh, <laughs> I think they're called initiations. Uh, I did that last year in the Four Nations. We had to do the hucker and sing and that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm off those duties. It's good to sort of come into camp and uh, sit back and relax and see see the other boys uh, showcase their off field uh, skills. And, and what have they what have they been able to show you? Some of them have showed me that they've got, you know, very uh, bad taste in undies. A couple of them have got a few holes in them, you know, when they're doing the hucker in their undies. And some of them are terrible singers. Uh, I can't talk much myself. I'm not much of a singer. But uh, it's good, like, you know, to get new people into camp. Uh, it uh, adds a new, new dimension to it. And, uh, you know, every time I come into camp, I look forward to it because I know it's, uh, you know, it's not it's not just, you know, um, you know just here to play footy. It's, it's uh, here to bond with our fellow countrymen and our brothers. The songs that some of the guys read to do, what, are you able to give us a few examples? There was uh, a bit of rap by Elijah Taylor. Uh, I think it was Tupac. And then we had a uh, big Rusty Packer singing uh, uh, a Tiger song off The Hangover. So um, I think Elijah, he, I think he, when he retires, he, he's looking at getting into the hip-hop industry. So uh, he, he's, got, he's got a big future ahead of him in that career anyway. The Kiwi Centre, Lewis Brown. And that's the show for this week. Feedback is welcome via sport at radionz.co.nz. You can get the latest sports news anytime on our website, while we'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Joe Porter. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.